1: Put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
2: You have to have some star power in the right place. And yeah, Can you convert Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn back into the star outside rushers that you need them to be? And will they be able to get that inside defensive tackle that they need in order to get this defense running? You know, the Bears, it's more of a need for personnel than is trying to emulate the formula of Cincinnati and the Rams.
3: That was Tom Fair earlier this week, right here on the score. Rami Makloff with you on a Friday evening here on six seventy the score. Happy to be with you till nine o'clock. Joining me now on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Covers the Bears for CBS Sports Bears Report and Windy City Gridiron. It's a pleasure to welcome in Aaron Lemming. Aaron, how are you this evening, my man? Doing well, doing well. How about you? Good we, NFL scouting combine getting underway next week in in Indy after some some hiccups in the planning process and and a threatened boycott of 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 the combine by a few of the players and their agents. What was that? What was that all about? What what was the whole controversy there around the combine? Well, I think
4: really what it comes down to is you know kind of going back to the end of the regular season and end of the playoffs. It's like. You know, they they pretty much just said, "All right, COVID doesn't exist. We're not going to test." And then all of a sudden, they want you know all of these prospects to be bubbled, and it just it just I I think really what it came down to is it just didn't make a ton of sense in terms of what they were doing. Uh, So you know, I'm glad they got it figured out. What was interesting about it is I didn't really know this until it all started happening. Was while this is an NFL event, the NFL is not actually the one kind of sanctioning this or, you know, making the rules. So I think really what it came down to is just they tried to, I guess, overstep a little bit. And, you know, they ended up getting it figured out, thank God. And really what it comes down to is, I mean, especially for all these teams, the medicals are the most important thing. You know, all the drills and all that stuff is is fun. And, it, you know, it's a way to maybe uh, – you know, confirm the tape and confirm what you know what these scouts are seeing, but ultimately the medicals and, and, and the weights and everything else and the measurements, all of that is, is much bigger than the actual drills themselves.
3: Do you think that the, the, the combine itself I know, I know the players union encouraged players to, to boycott this thing, saying it's an outdated exercise. Do you agree with that that, that it's it's just this made for TV thing that's that's outlived its actual useless its actual usefulness?
4: I, I think to a certain extent, I mean, there's just certain things. I mean, you can just kind of go back and look like 40 times. 40 times are completely pointless. You know, I, I, I don't care. I, I don't think any NFL team cares how fast the guy can run in a straight line because the reality of it is is playing speed is just a very different thing. You know, kind of the same thing as some of the other drills that they do. I think the overall, I, I think really the first like day or two when they're actually sitting there, and again, you know, the medicals are obviously a huge aspect, and, you know, as, as fans or media whatever – we don't really get a very big, you know, taste of what is actually going on. But I think you kind of see it as a as a process kind of continues. And you can kind of see, especially when the draft rolls around, you get guys falling out of nowhere. And you're kind of trying to figure out what the heck's going on. And, you know, medicals, I mean, kind of the same thing with Tevin Jenkins, right, this last year. But yeah, I, I think to a certain extent, I think some stuff kind of has to be updated and I think it has to be taken with a grain of salt. But I also think that the face-to-face with these teams and the scouts and everything else that's going on is big. But I think more, I think we're seeing as, as everything goes on more and more, pro days are becoming a lot more important uh, in a lot of aspects in the combine.
3: Yeah, and and we're going to learn a lot more about these guys through the combine and and through their pro days, talking with Aaron Lemming, covers the Bears for CBS Sports Bears Report and the Windy City Gridiron. And 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 w- when the Bears go into this draft, Aaron, they're, they're not obviously going to have a, a first round pick in this year's draft. Do you see, and you heard Tom Thayer coming out of the break there talking about some of the areas of need. Do you see depth at any of the, the areas of need for the Bears where they can still get an impact player in, in their second in the second round with their first pick of this year's draft? Absolutely.
4: You know, it's, it's actually kind of, you know, it, it's, it's kind of interesting because you, you look at this draft class, especially kind of the top tier talent. This is actually something that Daniel Jeremiah talked about a few days ago. You know, it's, there's not a lot of top tier talent in the draft, right? I mean, you're kind of looking, I mean, they, they, there's not even really a projection right now. in, in terms of like a solid projection, who's going to go number one overall. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that this quarterback class is questionable at best to say the least. But I think when you're looking at where the bears are picking at 39 and where they're going to be picking again at 71 uh, or 72, I can't remember my mouth is maybe a little off there, but those first two picks that they have, especially at 39, they're going to be looking at some pretty good talent. I think this is more in kind of like, again, like Daniel Jeremiah said, this is more of a depth draft, right? You're not going to get at least on paper, you're not getting a ton of top end talent, which I think works great for a team like the bears where, you know, maybe they get to 39 and they want to trade back a little bit. I mean, right now they have a second round pick, a third round pick, a fifth round pick, and and or actually two fifth round picks and a sixth round pick. I mean, they're they're lacking some serious meat for a team that I really all you got to do is look at the roster right now. I mean, the, the, you could you could basically put a dartboard there. And you know, throw a dart at it, and that's going to be a position of need for this team. I mean, they have they have needs all over this roster, they have depth concerns all over this roster, and obviously it's gonna take multiple off seasons, but I do think this is the type of draft going in where if you don't have a first round pick, I think you can still come out of it pretty well.
3: How about the, the free agent class of twenty twenty two? Do you see anything there? And do you think that's that's some place where the Bears can or should be active, or do you think it's too early in this new era to, to be dipping your toes in those waters? Well, I think, you know,
4: free agency is kind of one of those things where it it really kind of comes down to how you approach it, right? I mean, we saw in the very early going with Ryan Pace, you know, those first two years where he really didn't do a whole lot, even in the secondary market. But I think the Bears are in a little bit different of a position this time. Again, you know, they have plenty of needs um, all over all over the roster, all over the depth chart. But at the same time, they're not really in that same spot that they were coming out of 2014, You know, going into 2015 when Ryan Pace took over. So now you got a guy in Ryan Poles who has said, just like any GM will say, you know, the, the, we want to build through the draft. And that's great. But, you know, then you can kind of start to look at other teams like the, the Indianapolis Colts, for example, where... They've had a ton of draft picks and they've had a ton of money and they haven't really gone out and done anything in free agency outside of really swinging and missing, you know, on a few, well, I don't even know if I consider Philip Rivers really a swing and a miss, but he was a one-year stopgap and obviously the trade with Carson Wentz. But you start looking at some of these teams and there seems to be this perception that the only thing that you can do is build through the draft. And I don't think that's really true. I think the big thing with free agency is, is you want to get good value and value is kind of hard to really project when you're looking at guys where you know a guy like Allen Robinson for example when he signed with the Bears was coming off an ACL tear and while he was one of the top receivers on the market he still carried some risk and then you see some other guys like Robert Woods a few years ago when he signed from Buffalo um to the Rams and it was one of those he was never a top tier receiver and then he's become a really good receiver so i think you can you can kind of factor in all those and you can see some of the bears the moves the Bears have made over the last few years where they're paying big money for guys that are close to thirty or over the age of thirty, and there's not a lot of good return there. I think tight end's one of those spots where there's usually not a lot of good return. Outside of Hunter Henry, I can't even name you the last high dollar free agent that's really worked out for any team over the last few years. So I think It's, you know, everybody talks about that second wave of free agency, which really technically starts, if you think about it. I mean, you have the the legal negotiation period that goes on the first three days, and then, you know, the league actually opens. And that's usually the second wave, and that's where some of the better deals go down. I think really more than anything, the Bears are going to have to spend money. I mean, they've got, that's the problem, is they've got, what, 32 free agents right now, including... Uh, all of their restricted free agents, which I think they have five of those. It's like they have a lot of spots on the roster to fill. So even if they're not going out and spending ten or fifteen million dollars a year on a player, they're still going to have to be, you know, somewhat active in free agency. Only, you know, even if it's only you know one, two, three year deals, they're going to have to make some moves there. And there is some solid talent out there. I mean, nothing too crazy, but I don't think the Bears have to be sitting at the top of the market to get good players.
3: Yeah, and and you, and you led me right to to my next question, Aaron, which is their own free agents. Who, who do you think they can and, and should be trying to keep in the fold this year? It seems I'm, I'm reading more and more that it seems like James Daniels is, is, is all but gone for this Bears team. Even though you just laid out the amount of cap room that they have and you're talking about a guy who's 24 years old and has, has made steps in his progress each year in the NFL with in, injuries aside. I, I'm, not, I'm not really understanding that chatter and, and some of the other guys who, who they, they seem ready to just let walk away from this team this year. Well, yeah, they got,
4: I mean, just kind of looking at their free agent list, I mean, unrestricted free agents. They have Allen Robinson, Akeem Hicks, Lal Nichols, James Daniels. Obviously, Jason Peters is not going to return. Same thing with Jimmy Graham, uh, Jakeem Grant, Deshaun Gibson. uh, Both of their special teamers with Pat O'Donnell, Patrick Scales. I mean, yeah, they got a a ton of free agents. And I think you you kind of go through that list. And obviously, I think at this point, a guy like Allen Robinson's probably gone for more than one reason, Akeem Hicks. For as good of a player as he's been for the Bears, I mean, he's already going to be, what is it, 32 or 33 this year? He's coming off, uh, you know, his last three years where he's missed, you know, over 18 games. So you start kind of going down the list. I think guys that make sense would be Bilal Nichols because Bilal Nichols is still young. James Daniels is another guy that could make sense because he's still young. Jakeen Grant because he has some value with special teams and maybe a back end receiver. But like you pointed out, the whole James Daniels thing—it's a little interesting. I, my theory behind it is—is is I think one, it's a little stylistic. Um, you know, he, he has bounced around over the last few years. He he's never really played with a ton of edge uh, like he did at Iowa. But I think too, uh, the big thing right now is—is is you start looking at this offensive line, and they got one sore spot right now in terms of guys that they probably should cut that they can't. With Cody White here, where he's going to be making close to eleven million dollars, but because of the way his contract has been structured, because they continued to kick the can down the road under the Ryan Pace era, they can't really move them unless they're going to do it post-June 1st cut. The problem with the post-June 1st cut is, okay, it saves you $8 million, but you don't get that money until June 2nd, one, mm-hmm. and then two, you can only use two of those, and it's kicking more dead money into 2023. So I think more than anything with a guy like James Daniels, you know, it, has he improved every year? Yeah, I, I would say so. But I, I think the other issue is is that you're probably talking, you know, a four or five year deal, at ten million dollars a piece, if not more. I don't know that the Bears are really looking to sink that type of money into somebody who they see as more of a projection. Versus maybe they go out and they sign a guy like Brian Allen at center uh, from the Rams, or maybe they go out and they they go out with a veteran like a Ryan Jensen. If Ryan Jensen gets free, another center, you know, somebody like that who has a more proven track record and has a little bit more of an edge to him. So I think it's going to be a very interesting balance, but ultimately what's going to come down to is a lot of teams have a good amount of money. And I think with the way the market happened last year uh, with, you know, every, you know, the cap going down and everybody having to be a little bit more conservative and a lot of, you know, one-year deals getting signed, I think you're going to see a lot busier of a market this year. And I think you're going to see a lot more of an expensive market.
3: Talking with Aaron Lemming covers the Bears for CBS Sports. Bear report and the Windy City Gridiron, Rami Maklouf, with you on a Friday evening here on the Score. Now that all the the dust has settled on on coaching hires around this league and front office hires, what was your take on on where the Bears landed and who and who they landed?
4: Yeah, I think you know it's obviously it's always really hard to you know sit here and grade these hires. It's funny, basically, because CBS does one every year where they go through and they grade all the hires, and you go back and you look. And usually. Usually it's almost the exact opposite. It seems like the guys that everybody lost, you know, I mean, go back to 2018 with Matt Nagy. I mean, everybody thought that he was going to be one of, if not the best hire, right? So there was nine guys uh, that got hired. It's just crazy because, you know, going into this thing, and I I think, you know, a decent amount of people kind of felt the same way as I did, this wasn't really a strong head coaching pool, right? You know, there were a lot of unproven guys. I know everybody's wanting to go offensive, the Bears are one of three teams that won with the defensive head coach. I, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, Matt Eberflus, you know, I know some people seem to like the hire other people seem to not really like the whole hits principle and, you know, how cliche everything is. And, you know, maybe having a little bit of flashbacks of how Lovey Smith's defenses really haven't worked out as of late with Tampa two. But again, th- this is a very different defense uh, from what we saw with the Bears back in, you know, 2010, 2011, and before that. So, I think, at least in my opinion, I think it's kind of one of those middle of the road moves. I obviously do. I think they could have done better. I mean, I had you know a few names on the top of my list that I would love. I, I really like the the pairing of Josh McDaniels uh, in uh, in Las Vegas. I really, really liked the pairing with uh, Brian Dable uh, there in New York, but. Outside of that, there's just a lot of questions. So I guess we're going to have to, you know, we'll have to see how it plays out. What I will say is, this I think that the Bears did a pretty good job overall of filling out their coaching staff. I think really the X factor of the hire is going to be Luke Getzi at offensive coordinator, right? And then, you know, below him, Andrew Giannaco, their uh, quarterbacks coach, who's been somewhat of a fast riser with Minnesota over these last few years, because you kind of have to look ahead and you say, okay, if Justin Fields breaks out this year and this offense breaks out. It's a, there's a pretty good chance that uh, Luke gets. He's probably not going to be around very long, so you have to hope that whoever that, that next guy coming in, you know, hopefully a quarterback coach uh, and, and a guy like Andrew Giannaco is going to take over. So I think that's going to be the big thing, you know, and I know everybody focuses on the offensive minds and the defensive minds, but as we've seen, you know, it, you just don't know. You know, we everybody thought Matt Nagy coming in, that was going to be the fix for the offense, and really the offense performed worse, you know, than it did when John Fox was around. Mm-hmm.
3: And, and and when when you talk when you talk about about the offense and Justin Fields, I you're right in that we we can't really grade or critique these hires because we're basically what we're what we're grading or critiquing is the idea of the hire. You know what I mean? The the philosophy, the background that he comes in with, but that that's that's never ever a guarantee of what a guy will be. The idea that I had in mind, because of what you just said about Luke Getze and and the fact that if this offense breaks out and Justin Fields makes a leap in his development. He's probably a head coach somewhere else. I wanted an offensive-minded head coach who would be attached at the hip with Justin Fields for better or worse. And, and if he does take off, if his career does take off, well, that guy's not going anywhere anytime soon. Is is that the preferred route that, that for, for the Bears that you would have taken with the coaching hire?
4: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, my, my... – top three choices going into this process were all offensive guys. I mean, Brian Dable, Josh McDaniels, who I know a lot of people, you know, had some concerns with for obvious reasons. And then Byron left, which was, you know, my other one. Yeah. I think when you look, especially over the last, what, 10, 15 years, in terms of overall success in terms of hires from each one of these hiring cycles that are averaging, you know, six, seven tech coaching hires, every cycle the the more successful guys have usually come as offensive minded of guys, and especially when you're looking at a team like the Bears, who really haven't had a good offense forever outside of that one year under Mark Trussman, and you got, you know you have another young quarterback in there that you really need to be able to support. I mean, yeah, I think the obvious answer was absolutely going the offensive route, and I think that carries an inherent risk going with a defensive minded guy like Matt Eberflus, and really now what you have to hope is you have to hope that he turns into that Sean McDermott, where, you know, I think a lot of people forget, you know, when Brian Dable was hired from Alabama, you know, to Buffalo, there were not a lot of people talking about that move saying, wow, that was a really good move. That's going to pay off Mm -hmm. huge. I mean, it's kind of the same thing with Josh, with Josh Allen, everybody just, it's like, there's this revisionist history that, Josh Allen came out of Wyoming, and he was just this Patrick Mahomes-like quarterback that nobody had ever seen before, and that really wasn't the case. I mean, a lot of people dogged the pick, especially as high as it went. A lot of people were unsure on him. It took him two years to develop. So sometimes the obvious answer isn't what it seems, uh, but I do believe that the Bears, because of the route that they took with a defensive-minded head coach and because of how the the NFL has transformed, especially offensive-minded, there is an inherent risk that you hire a defensive-minded head coach, and then you have to continually fill feel, feel the offensive coordinator route. And I know a lot of people say, "Well, it took you know it, it took Dable a while to get a job," but as we're seeing, a guy like you know uh, Mike McDaniel, who's never called plays before, the same thing with Kevin O'Connell. Neither one of those guys have called plays before. Uh, you know, same thing with Nathaniel Hackett. He didn't he didn't call plays in Green Bay. He, he had some experience with Jacksonville but I think the overall trend here is uh, if you have a good offense and your offensive coordinator is, is highly regarded, he's going to get a job somewhere because that's just the trend that the NFL is going in.
3: I have to ask you because uh, you talk about the NFL and I am bound by law, sports radio law to ask you, what do you think Aaron Rodgers does?
4: I think he stays.
3: I, man, I've, I've been in the same boat since last year. I'll believe it when I see it,
4: you know, it's just one of those at this point, like it, I know it seems like everything's pointing to him leaving, but until I see that, that, that tweet come across from Adam Schefter, or Ian Rappaport, saying that he's demanding a trade, I, I just can't believe it. Because the reality of it is Green Bay may not be able to field quite as good of a team as they have the last few years. But, I mean, the cap, and I'll never say the cap's a myth because it's not, but the cap has a lot of flexibility. And the reality of it is the, the the Packers can find a way to get Aaron Rodgers on a contract. They can also find a way to tag Devontae Adams Enroll this thing back for another two years. I don't know how successful it will be, but I don't think Green Bay's really in the, uh, you know, in the business to one rebuild. And it, at least from what I saw from Jordan Love this last year, I, there's no way I'm staking my future to him.
3: That is Aaron Lemming. He covers the Bears and the NFL for CBS Sports, Bear Report, and Windy City Gridiron. Follow him on Twitter at AaronLemmingNFL. Aaron, really appreciate the time and the insight, man, here. Thanks a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And Aaron joins me on The Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbooks. So let's let's set the bar, or let's set the curve, on what we're grading Polls, Eberflus, and company on next year and, and how much they actually can improve this offseason. We'll do that next, right after this. Rami Makloff with you on 670 The Score on a Friday night.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Or a lot.
3: Rami well, McLaughlin with you on a Friday night here on 670 the score, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Our thanks again to Aaron Lemming, who covers the Bears for CBS Sports, Bear Report, and Wendy City Gridiron, joined me last segment with with some real some really good insight on this Bears team and kind of confirming some of the things that I thought about the the offseason picture here, which which has got me wondering. And this isn't this isn't Again, because I had to point this out in the first hour when talking Bulls, this definitely isn't to be a wet blanket or a downer or anything like that. What I'm trying to figure out here is what's the grading curve for this new regime of the Chicago Bears? When I ask you at 312 644 6767, how much can they really improve this offseason? Because I think that, to be fair to those guys, to polls, Eberflus and company. We need we need to set a realistic bar for this franchise to clear this offseason in in the moves that they make and next year in terms of the product that goes out onto the field because there has been now not not that it's it's entirely bad what was left behind by Ryan Pace and company, but there's there's a lot of there's a lot of cleanup that needs to be done with this Bears team after Ryan Pace and and Matt Nagy were shown the door after last year. You have the the team that that fielded the oldest Week 1 roster in the NFL last year, and a lot of those guys are going to be back for another go-round with this Bears team because they have hard-to-get-out-of-contracts. You are going to be top third. This is one of the things that Aaron was talking about in the last segment. Top third of the league in cap space, but also very few players under contract – to go along with only five draft picks and none in the first round. You're switching defensive schemes from a 3-4 to a 4-3, and you're going to be asking a bunch of guys to do things that they haven't necessarily done or from positions that they haven't necessarily played in in the past. And then when you look at what actually what actually needs to be done for this roster to be complete and to run a competitive team out there week one of 2022 – I don't know that you can I don't know that you can necessarily do that. On on defense, you've openings at cornerback, at your slot corner, at safety, two linebacker positions, interior defensive line, and then on offense, you're at least looking to fill gaps at wide receiver tackle and or one of your guard positions, if not both of your guard positions depending on which way you want to go. And this offseason, for all the bad that Ryan Pace did in the years that he was around, some of the players who have actually been pretty good for the Bears over the last few years are likely walking away in free agency. The Allen Robinsons of the world, the 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 Daniels, the Keem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, uh, those guys are probably walking away. And it looks like Tariq Cohen could possibly be a, 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 a cap casualty because they can save some money by, by cutting him loose. So are you going to find somebody better than Allen Robinson out there? Now, you hope that Matt Eberflus and his coaching staff and Luke Getze on the offensive side of things can get more out of guys than what they got last year. But are you going to find a wide receiver better than an Allen Robinson out there on the free agent market or in the second round of the draft or with one of the five draft picks that you have this year? I think talent-wise, we're looking at taking a step back at the wide receiver position. We're looking at shuffling and maybe taking a step back on the offensive line. We're looking at, at maybe taking a step back on your interior defensive line. We don't know who two of your starting linebackers are. We don't know who one of your starting corners is. We don't know who one of your starting safeties is. And these are some of the things, Some these are things that somewhat can be addressed in free agency this offseason. But as Aaron alluded to, Aaron Lemming from Windy City Gridiron who joined me in the last segment. How much do you really want to dip into the free agent waters in in the first year of a new regime as far as your your GM and your head coach goes, and only your second year of the Justin Fields era? Again, this is this is to set the curve on which we're grading Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, and company this offseason and going into next season. And I I don't think we should we, we should we should be grading them too harshly based on these things. For me, for the, the arc for this this Bears team and, and where I want to see when I when I want to see them get where I, I want to see them go is year three, year four of the Justin Fields era, because that's really that's really when your window is is the most wide open to be a contender, is in years three, four and five of a rookie quarterback's deal when he's starting to figure the league out is playing at an elite level but is getting the base salary for for his position and and isn't breaking the bank and taking such a big slice of the pie in terms of in terms of the salary cap and so you can spread that money around and you can put some of it on defense you can put some of it on weapons around that guy on offense I'm not going to get impatient with these guys with with Poles Eberflus and 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 the rest of this new regime that that's why I ask how much do you think the Bears can actually improve this season because I think that we need to we need to set the bar at 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 an appropriate level for these guys before, you know, it's 6 months from now and we're losing our minds because this team is not winning the NFC North or is not contending for the NFC or for a Super Bowl. Like let's 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 be realistic about where we're at in this whole thing and how much time we need to give these guys to fix as much as as is wrong with this football team right now. How much do you think the Bears can actually improve this offseason? 312 644 6767 Give me a call. You can also get in on the Rosen Hyundai text line using that number. You can tweet the show at six seven to the score at Rami. R A M I E is tweeting. Adam, how much how much do you think? How, where are you setting the bar for this this Bears team this offseason and moving into next season?
5: I'm going to say relatively low. And it's because I think that and this to go along with a lot of what you've been saying here like the this is a multi-year not rebuild like I don't think they're in a in a rebuild mode per se because they haven't unless they make a bunch of moves and tear tear things down. There there's but that being said they're still multiple years away at least a year away from competing at a high level I think that this next year they're ceiling like if we're gonna put if we're gonna put the curve the grading curve an A is probably going to be nine wins. Like If they find a way to get to nine wins, oh, yeah. I think they've done a, a, a pretty good job. That means the coaching staff probably did a good job maximizing what's on the roster, which is probably going to be average at best, which why is why I say nine wins. So a winning record would be a huge step forward for them. And I, this year is also this next season, I should say, is ultimately going to be about finding out how good Justin Fields is. Mm-hmm. And finding out is he the guy? Because if he's not the guy, you need to move on right away. And if he is the guy, okay, now we know he's the guy. Now we need to start building around him. And so I don't know if they're they're necessarily gonna go out and you know, receivers obviously a huge hole right. And I'm looking at the list of of potential free agent wide receivers right now. Like I Mike Williams is a guy that I think would be right in their price range. He's not going to demand the kind of money that Alan Robinson, Devonte Adams, even probably Chris Godwin they're going to get going to have, but he's a talented guy that can probably end up being a solid number two. Like, he's not going to be a number one. He's going to be a solid number two would be a good compliment. Like Mike, let's let me say this, Mike Williams, Darnell Mooney and a player to be named or signed later in the next year would be a pretty good receiving court, Right. So like I think that's a building piece you can add or even Juju Smith-Schuster who kind of is is had a rough last couple years in Pittsburgh has been hurt a lot. They thought he was going to be a number 1 guy after Antonio Brown left, turned out he's not going to be. So again, a building piece like that would be I think a really good signing for this coaching staff who's not going to cost you a, t- a ton of money.
3: Yeah, I think you and I are on the same page cuz all all these free agents that you're talking about them them going after first of all are not the big ticket free agents are not the guys that are at the top of their position class. We're going to reset the market because I I don't want the bears getting into those waters just yet. And I'm, I'm actually kind of sketchy about getting into those waters in general. When you look at how the, how often those moves actually pay off where, where that guy lives up to that dollar amount and, and does for that team, what they're expecting him to do for that team. But the other thing I like about these names that you're listing off, Adam, is these are all guys in there at, at, at the latest, or mid, mid to, to late 20s, like in that 26, 25, 26, 27 year old range because I think going out and getting guys that are approaching that 30 year old mark, when, in my opinion, you're still a couple of years away from from potentially competing, is shooting yourself in the foot. Those guys will be past their prime by the time it actually matters, and and they're and they're worth their contract. You know what I mean? So I like all these names you're listing off. They're right in the right age range. I don't want them. I don't want to see them dipping their toes into the big price free agents, and I don't want to see them dipping their toes into thirty plus year old free agents. Not not in this off season.
5: And another guy that I think would be an, an intriguing one is Christian Kirk. He would be an inexpensive, I saw completely him. inexpensive. Yeah. But I, and, you know, who knows what his ceiling is. But, again, like, you combine him with Darnell Mooney and a true number one guy that you get later, like, it's a pretty good receiving core. He would be he would be good depth. And, you know, so, since you mentioned age, I didn't realize this. You know, Devontae Adams is, is almost 30. Yeah. And, like, that just got me thinking. Like, I, I didn't realize he was that old, number one. But, number two, a team that's – don't get me wrong here. He's awesome. He's probably the best receiver in the league. And he's got at least – Probably two or three years of really, really high level play left in him, but I'm just like this next contract is going to be his last big one, right? For sure. Like this is this is it for him.
3: That's one guy. I might now he's not. He's not going to end up with the Bears because the Packers have some control over that whole situation. They hey, well, yeah, I'm not saying I'm not end up yet. in the division, but that that's one guy who I would probably I would probably go against against what I just said and and get and grab a guy who's near 30 because man. First of all, taking him away from the Packers and watching Devontae Adams week in and week out for my job up in, up in Milwaukee, hosting the afternoon show on 1250 AM, The Fan, he is still performing at an, a crazy, crazy high level. And watching watching him just cook cornerbacks week in and week out is a delight and I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon man the guys the guys really really good and and maybe bucks the trend of of 30 plus year old wide receivers moving forward it's it's something to behold watching that guy do work week in and week out and that 30,
5: that 30 that 30 year old line too I think is more for running backs sure because yeah. you know they they just put so much more on their legs like so much more wear on their bodies than receivers do so he, he's receivers age a little bit better especially a guy like Devonte adams So he's better now than he was two years ago when he would have been in his like athletic prime quote if you will Ab-
3: absolutely no doubt about it speaking of what's going on north of the border with the green bay packers i thought you know i had the day off for my afternoon show in milwaukee today so i could come and and do this program on, on this fine station in this fine city where I grew up. And I was like, oh, man, I don't have to talk about Aaron Rodgers for one whole day. For one whole day, I get a reprieve from talking about Aaron Rodgers. And Greg Jennings had to go and start talking. And now everybody's talking about Aaron Rodgers all over again. So now I have to address that right after this on 670 to score on a Friday night.
2: We're going to feel a competitive team regardless. I mean, you know, I think um, yeah, we're the Green Bay Packers. And I think we have a really good football team in front of us. Um Again, those are elite players, and whenever you know you have elite players, you feel good about that. And you may have to do things different ways if those if those hypotheticals come into play. But you know, we'll see where it goes. But I, I like the nucleus and the core foundation of our football team. That was General
3: Manager of the Green Bay Packers Brian Gutekunst talking uh, earlier this week about how they will put together a team with or without. Aaron Rodgers, as he continues to to drag out that decision, Diana Rossini of ESPN yesterday saying he is expected to make a decision soon, which is something that Aaron Rodgers already told us, and that there were multiple offers on the table for the Green Bay Packers quarterback that they would contemplate if he indeed. Did want to be traded, which we already kind of like I just assume that a lot of teams would be interested in the services of an Aaron Rodgers. The the other story that Diana Rossini had yesterday was that Rodgers would be seeking 50 million plus dollars per year to play for the Packers or anybody else wherever he may land this offseason. And uh, Greg Jennings, his former receiver and a guy who's had plenty to say about Aaron Rodgers since leaving the Packers and then retiring from the NFL. He was on Fox Sports earlier today and uh, had this to say about Aaron Rodgers and his desire to make 50-plus million dollars and about 20% of his team's
2: salary. cap. When I listened to Aaron Rodgers after the, the, the playoff loss against the 49ers, some of his comments were alluding to what we're talking about right now like the contract situations of not only himself, but some of those teammates that, would, that he would consider in his decision. They would play a role in whether or not he would decide to come back to Green Bay. And now all of a sudden, you're trying to take a large chunk of the pie, knowing that Devontae Adams is out there, a guy that you want to play with, if you are to come back to Green Bay knowing that Robert Tunyon is out there, a guy that you will also want to play with, knowing all these things that if you are to take this amount of money and Nick, you're the resident GM. So you're, I'm going to let you handle the salary cap and all the things, but you understand what this would mean and what this does to your personnel. You potentially will have to get rid of some guys. And so for me, this is a little like, wait, we could have done this last year and then figured out a way to to then tie up Devonte this year, but now all of a sudden it's it's about the money. And I I I go back and I hate to do this, but I go back to personal experiences. And that, when you when you have a personal experience, you try to move move past, move beyond because people change, but some things never do. No, I want to hear it. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers has been a very selfish guy like period. Aaron Rodgers came to me when I signed my deal with the Green Bay Packers, my extension, my first extension after my rookie deal came up to me because players had been going back to the organization front office and trying to renegotiate and not being happy uh, with the contract that had been signed. And his words to me were, don't be that guy. Don't 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 sign this contract mm. and then want more money. Now, All of a sudden, you Mm. forget those words that you have poured out and tried to pour and invest into others. You can't do those types of things. And like, I I get it. The team is completely different. And there are Mm. some that never knew that conversation even existed. But for one who does, and it happened to me verbatim, this is what you do now? You're under contract, buddy.
3: That was Greg Jennings earlier today on Fox Sports talking about his former teammate, his former quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. And, man, I I don't understand why, and this goes back to what we were talking about with, with the MLB lockout in the last hour of the show. Why is it that with professional athletes, people love to tell them you have enough money? It's really the only line of work in which in which we do that. now would it would it be would it be magnanimous of Aaron Rodgers to take a pay cut so that they could put as many players around him as possible would that be would that be would that be the, the, the best thing he could do as, as a teammate and as a member of the Green Bay Packers organization? Yeah, sure maybe, man, but it's also his job. like it's it's also what he goes and does for a living and we all go to our job even 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 like i love my job i'm not going there for free and i'm i'm, I'm and i'm going to ask for and i can't ask for nearly as much as Aaron rodgers can but i'm going to ask for every damn penny that i that i can ask for and i'm not going to i'm not going to ask for less because they're they're not going to be able to 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 pay somebody else it's that's not that's, that's not how this whole thing works man that he he has earned the right if he so chooses to set the market at at the quarterback position and by effect set the market for NFL players in general because quarterbacks are the highest paid we all decide where we're going to work and weigh different things in making that decision if if we're given a choice of working at at place A or place B and money might be at the top of your list or where you live, the weather, where your family is happy. There are, there are a million things that can factor into deciding where you're going to work when, when given that choice. And if Aaron Rodgers wants to prioritize money and put that first, his prerogative, man, it's not Greg Jennings' uh, place or, or anybody else's place to call him selfish for not doing that. He gets paid to throw footballs not to balance salary caps. He gets paid to throw footballs. And if the Packers can't make it work with that price tag, then I promise you somebody else believes that they could make it work for that price tag. And the, and the difference between Greg Jennings' situation and what Aaron Rodgers is talking about, and by the way, both of them in the wrong, because stay out of another man's pockets, and especially stay out of your teammates' pockets, which is one thing that I've learned working with, with a few pro athletes over my my time in sports talk radio. That's a cardinal sin in the world of sports is to be in a fellow athletes and especially a fellow teammates' pockets and telling them how they should be handling contract negotiations. That's not your place. Aaron Rodgers shouldn't have done it and Greg Jennings shouldn't be doing it now. But the difference in those two situations is that Greg Jennings still had multiple years left on his deal when he wanted to renegotiate and wanted a new deal and wanted more money. Aaron Rodgers has one year left, and the Packers could very well just say to Aaron Rodgers, we're not trading you, you're going to play this one year, whether you like it or not. They, they could play that hard ball game with him. To, to what end, though? To what end? So he walks away in free agency next year and you get nothing for him? The reason Aaron Rodgers is in a position to ask for the type of money that he's asking for right now is because he's going into a lame duck year and, and the Packers can either give him a new contract or let him walk in free agency next year. That's, that, that Those are their choices. And if they want to give him a contract extension, he's 100% totally within his rights and within the right to ask for every single penny and say to the Packers, you figure out the salary cap. And if you can't put a good team around me, well, then I'll go somewhere else where they can. Because again, his job is to throw footballs not to balance salary caps. That really gets under my skin, man, when people call a guy selfish for wanting to make every penny that he can make. Like, it's not his job. And once again, pro athletes are the only place that we ever, ever do that. One more thing I wanted to mention real quick before we wrap this thing up. James Harden making his debut for the, the 76ers tonight, and obviously... Bulls fans with with an eye on that to see how those 76ers will look with the tandem of James Harden and Joel Embiid. Adam, have you had a chance to uh, to keep an eye on that game at all or on the box score and see what's going on? in Minnesota?
5: I have not. I, I don't have it on in the studio here, but I did see Ricky O'Donnell tweet that. Oh, God, that last Harden step back was peak Harden step back. So I imagine it's going well.
3: It's going well, and suddenly he's fine. just like when he went from Houston to Brooklyn, and he suddenly looked looked like that that James Harden that was tearing this league up again. He after after looking disinterested and having a sore hamstring for a couple of weeks there in Brooklyn, he suddenly looks like himself out in Philly with 20, He has 20 points on eight shots, and he's gotten to the free throw line uh, eight times and hitting seven of those. And one thing that's bothering me, I'm I'm just I'm just catching highlights here and there. On Twitter is I thought one of the best things the NBA has done in a long time is is start calling some of some of this flopping that's going on on the offensive side of things guys guys looking for fouls and the, the flailing and the Academy Award acting that 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 we've seen in previous years and the NBA actually fouling guys for doing that instead of giving them fouls to do that I was worried that as we got closer to the playoffs that they would they would ease back they would pull back on some of that stuff and man watching some of these highlights it's James Harden is right back to getting those calls where he's just he's not even he's not even going up with any sort of basketball movement or basketball shot just flailing all over the place did you and getting see, the fouls Did you
5: see it was happening last night too in the Bulls Hawks game
3: and I I kind of knew this was going to happen I kind of knew that they would pull back on that because it's it's affecting superstars and they want to be able to do superstar things in the playoffs. But it, I, I thought it was a better product all year because they were enforcing that rule, and I hope that they don't go too far back in the other direction. My thanks to Cody Westerland, who covers the Bulls for 670 to scorecom Also, Aaron Lemming, who covers the Bears for CBS Sports, Bear Report, and the Windy City Gridiron. If you missed either of those or anything on tonight's show, 670 scorecom or over there on your Odyssey app using that handy-dandy rewind feature. My thanks to Adam Studzinski on the ones and twos and booking this thing up for me tonight. And thanks to all of you for listening and contributing. I've been Rami Makhlouf on Chicago's Home for Sports Talk. 670 the 900 dollars reduces